Today is Monday, April 17, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Bud Light's big time backfire. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Subscribe, leave a rating, share it with a friend. You can email us, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. Happy to have you with us on this Monday as we get on through the news of the cray, as we like to say here on Quick Start Podcast. Joining me as always, Billy Hallowell. Billy. Happy Monday. What's going on? I'm ready to dive into this week. I don't know about you, but I'm I'm excited um, and also terrified to know what bizarre news stories are coming I know. our way. I know. It's an adventure each and every week. Today is no exception. Uh, this story on parental notification and really parental rights is chilling that you have coming up. Yeah, Washington State, we're going to get into it, but I think what we're watching happen there, this erosion of parental rights, I think we have to really wonder where is it headed next, and so we'll we'll dig through those details. Yeah, and we'll get into the details there, looking for that. On the main thing, we've got the Bud Light backfire. As I mentioned at the top, Dylan Mulvaney was announced, or at least presented as a campaign that they were doing there with his image on one of the cans it caused quite a controversy but it's not really going well for bud light right now how much has it cost the company well madison seals has that and more on the main thing today but first we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds And Elon Musk is speaking out with a warning on AI this weekend. He said on Tucker Carlson's Tonight, what's happening is they're training AI to lie. It's bad, he said. He also added that it's more dangerous, AI that is, than mismanaged aircraft design or production maintenance because it has the potential of civilization destruction. That full conversation is coming up this week. The Justice Department is pursuing no jail time for a transgender person who admitted to assaulting a church worker and vandalizing a Catholic church with profane graffiti and then smashing the glass and damaging a statue of the Virgin Mary. This happened last June. As CBN News reported back then, Maeve Noda, 31, is getting recommended zero jail time by the DOJ. This despite all of these increased attacks on churches around the country. And Christian performer Kevin KB Burgess is pleading with believers to embrace Christian hip-hop to reach people with the gospel. KB said he believes contemporary hip-hop is teaching young people to hate Jesus. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out that story, that full story too, over at CBNnews.com. Billy, a lot going on here. This, I thought it was interesting. Once again, we get another warning here from Elon Musk on AI with that potential. And, you know, you have others, and I've wondered this as well. Are we just sort of saying, are we the people pre-internet saying, oh, there's going to be misinformation out there, and what do we do? Is it that, or... Are these concerns legit? And we continue to have this conversation, and I think we should continue to have this conversation because we just really don't know. Right. No, we don't know. Although I think 
I think people, even with the internet, I mean, gosh, how many stories do we report on with pornography and social media? And yeah, there's great things that come with tech, but I think we've seen in a lot of ways, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm the old man in the room, but (laughs) when you look at the statistics, an entire generation, two generations of people who are disconnected, depressed, and it's all being attributed or a good chunk of it, obviously to the removal of God, but to technology and the obsession with, with social media and all these other things. So yeah, I think we're right to pause. I think we're also, we have to think, okay, well, how can this be used for good? I think we've seen glimmers of, you know, we had Johnny Moore on talking about the need for Christians to be involved in this conversation to help steer AI in the right direction. The the difficult part is you have countries like China and Russia and, and even our own country, if people are trying to make money off of it, they're not going to be as concerned about those negative effects. So yeah, we, we've got to keep talking about it. Yeah. And as Trey reported last week, the, that story on the flip phones was very interesting that among younger generations, flip phones or essentially dumb phones are becoming more and more popular, which may speak to a fact that maybe these young people are kind of realizing the emptiness and the, the vanity that comes along with so much of social media, which is often, you know, the TikToks, those, those apps of the world that are consuming young people's desire for attention and they're realizing maybe that that's that's an empty pursuit but um nevertheless i mean it's something you know as christians we can't be scared of this stuff i I always try to think of this from the christian perspective of course it's what we do here but when i look at ai now again i think look god's sovereign over all this this is not a surprise i'm not gonna put my head in the sand and just pretend it's not happening God's in control and that's what we can keep our eyes focused on. Yeah, that's and that's absolutely what we have to remember. And all of these things, you know, God knows what's going to happen. Like you said, none of it is a surprise. I don't know where the AI conversation leads. I do find it interesting, though, that just to kind of piggyback on some of the past coverage we've done on this in recent times, people like Elon Musk and a lot of non-Christians are are giving warnings that actually yeah. have glimmers of Christianity and faith in them, right? <laughs> yeah. In terms of, you know, this takes away people's meaning. It takes away jobs, you know? Mm. So we've got to look at both sides of it. But I, I think your point about not being fearful is is essential and just turning to prayer when we feel that fear with the news coming that we just keep turning back to God. Yeah, and I don't want to conf- I don't want to uh, get it twisted here. When I say not to be fearful, that doesn't mean we just sit there and be silent, and not say anything about it. Right. You know, like right. like you just said there, when when things that are offending God's image, God's design, we have to speak out about those things. Make no mistake about it. So I'm not I'm not saying that. I'm just saying internally we don't have to fear on this, but that doesn't mean we stay silent. So we're going to move on here. We're going to head to our next story here. This is this is a concerning story here from Washington state. They're poised to potentially enact a new law that is essentially stripping parents' rights to stop a child from seeking a gender transition. What's uh, the story here, Billy? Yeah, this is uh, a disturbing story. Washington State, as you said, they're poised to pass this bill. It's Senate Bill 5599. It's called Supporting Youth and Young Adults Seeking Protected 
healthcare services. And this is why it's so important we understand when there's a conversation about protected services, what that actually means. This would allow licensed shelters and homes um, that are licensed with the government to house runaways. Now, these runaways, the current laws require that you let the parents know, I think it's within 72 hours if a child runs away and goes to one of these shelters, that the shelter would notify the parents. Of course, if there's abuse going on, that would be currently on the books a time where you would not notify the parents, right? If there's suspected abuse going on, um, you would obviously deal with that. Um, But they've changed this law in this bill that without parental permission and without the need to notify parents about where children are receiving medical treatments, if those kids are basically... Uh, looking for reproductive treatment, which we know that would be abortion essentially, or if they're seeking gender procedures, that those would also be treated as compelling reasons to not notify the Mm. parent, meaning that children essentially would be able to run away in Washington state. And if they're seeking gender transition and their families are not supportive of it, they would be able to be at one of these licensed shelters um, hypothetically without the parents being notified. So that's the, that's the general gist of this. And it had already come through the Senate. It passed the Washington House last week in a vote 57 to 39. And if the governor, and this is a Democratic governor there, Jay um, Inslee, if he signs this, it would go into effect 90 days after the legislative session adjourns. Wow. Yeah. What are the, are there critics speaking out against this thing? And if so, what are they saying? Well, yeah, I mean, it's this is really igniting quite a reaction from Republicans um, in the state. Uh, the Republican Senate leader, John Braun, he expressed disbelief over the fact that this passed. He said the only thing the bill will do is cause harm by driving a wedge between vulnerable kids and their parents. Um, and he said this would come at a time when teens lack the perception and judgment to make critical life altering decisions. Uh, he there were others, too. I mean, lots of people speaking out. Uh, state Rep. Jim Walsh called it legally, ethically, and morally wrong. He said thousands of residents have reached out to his office to express alarm over this. And yeah, it's uh, there, there's quite a bit of reaction because this essentially makes it a sanctuary state for yeah. young people to go and do this. Well, and what what are proponents of this arguing? You know, because sometimes you want to make sure that you're you're getting the best argument from the you know from the side that's in favor of whatever issue it is it's coming out so what what are proponents saying in defense of this well i think the big the big defense of this is that a child who's not being supported ends up on the streets or homeless because they're kicked out or they leave their house and that puts them at risk and so um, Mark Leas, he is the state Democratic senator who sponsored the bill. He said that this bill affirms that trans youth are protected in Washington state by removing barriers to safe shelter. He went on to say this legislation gives meaningful choices to young people who may not have supportive families at home. So they do not end up on the street, but instead have shelter options when seeking this life-saving care. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think that quote, though, is very telling, right? Who might not have supportive families at home. Mm -hmm. That is the part of this, I think. Now, of course, nobody wants young people to be on the street. And so that would be the argument that I've seen. Well, we're trying to help these young people. But keep in mind, they're pairing this with abuse. Like what was currently on the the books was abuse. Now, well, if you're trying to get an abortion or reproductive care or do this gender care and your parents don't like it, you also have this, you know, special circumstance. Yeah, it's, it, the whole the, the crux of the issue here always comes down to this affirming care. Like this is the language that pro trans 
transitioning for kids, you know, the, that they use is this affirming care. And it's supposed to be this, you know, de-arming language that causes people not to be able to question this. And it's really, really quite something else because you, you wouldn't say that for, you know, because you think about what's happening here in some of these transition surgeries is you are actually mutilating the child's genitals. And so to call it affirming care, I mean, you wouldn't say that if somebody came in wanting to lop off both their arms, and you wouldn't say, you know what, we just needed to, to do this uh, limb reducing care, affirming care. You wouldn't say that, right? Nobody, everyone would say that's crazy. But for some reason, our society has such a soft spot for this sort of language. Uh, it's, it's, and I think that's where the issue comes down to, because you see that they say, well, we want to give people affirming care. Watch almost every single one of these debates. That's that's where it lands, right? Is on this well, life saving, yeah. life saving care. That's the thing, right? Because you know the the idea that well, you know this is this is helping the person because yeah, you know, th that's what they're building this on. We're helping these kids. We're saving their lives. Yeah. I, I think the alarm bell that needs to go off here is um, you're stripping parental rights and yet you're requiring parental rights for tattoos for all these other, <laughs> all these other things you need permission for, but guess what? For this, we're going to let you, right. we're going to take your rights away as a parent. I mean, that's, that's scary. Right. Can't, can't smoke a cigarette until you're what, uh, 18 or 21. I don't even know what the age of smoking is, but if you want to run in there and run away from home and, uh, have a transition, gender transition surgery, or you're all set to go there in Washington state. So yeah, it, it's definitely concerning. And and, it, and to your point about the saving, life-saving thing, I mean, from a Christian perspective, this is where we have the truth to speak to people. And it's it's difficult waters to navigate just because of the way, the language that, that is being used right now to essentially position you as someone who would speak truth to them as causing life-threatening harm to this individual just for speaking the truth to them when, as we know as Christians, the exact opposite is true. You, you're, the life-saving care is telling them about how God made them and that even in the midst of this struggle where they're not lining up with the identity and they don't understand, you know, it doesn't feel right, you've got to speak truth to that person in love, of course, but but that is the life-saving care and they're, they've twisted this as unbelievers often will, just get the truth all mangled and mixed up. And so we have to keep pushing to fight through that narrative because it is just a narrative. They've they've really just put lipstick on a pig when it comes to the arguments that they use for, you know, like you said, life-saving care, affirming care. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, look, I think parents and Christians in particular need to get smart about messaging yeah. Um, it is time to really reach people with with the right message and the right tone, because the fact that this has been able to metastasize to this level where you now have. And by the way, for anybody out there saying, oh, you know, keep your faith out of the laws. Well, there's a lot of people not <laughs> putting their faith in. Look, the secular world, their faith is in their laws. Right. And that's what this is. This is one worldview that is winning out and this is affecting people. It's affecting young people right. and families. I can't even imagine what happens to families in Washington state after this. I really can't. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good point. And I, I like your point about it. Really. We should just call it worldviews when they say that, yeah, keep your worldviews yep. out of the, out of the laws. Well, you keep your worldview out of the law then, and then we'll call it even. How about that? But um, right. of course they won't because um, that's, you know, that's, that's how you try to, 
enshrine things that you believe in that that you believe are moral and so this is these are moral things that they're they're trying to enforce and of course we we have a different moral that's been more of the standard for hundreds of years and now it's being challenged so uh, obviously a conversation that's going to continue billy but appreciate you bringing that story i'm very concerning but one that christians definitely need to know about so uh, but we're going to move on to the main thing here, and it's kind of on a related note, similar topic, transgender issue. Bud Light received a lot of blowback when it became known that they made a commemorative can with transgender activist Dylan Mulvaney on it. Well, the blowback was real, and it cost the company a ton of business and exposed either a terrible mistake or perhaps a political agenda so what can corporations learn from this what exactly happened here in how much were the damages to bud light well madison seals has more on that for today's main thing it's no surprise that more and more companies are going woke in 2023 we live in a time when it's easier to be woke sometimes than it is to hold more conservative ideas rooted in faith family and freedom We've seen woke ideas in Hollywood and our education system through drag shows and explicit sex ed all the way up to our government agencies pursuing so-called acceptance and diversity in places where such ideals shouldn't take precedence over the quality of work being done. And recently, Bud Light featured transgender influencer Dylan Mulvaney, who is known for posting videos about his 365 days of womanhood experience in online commercials and a commemorative beer can. The beer company received lots of pushback from Bud Light customers, and now the Anheuser-Busch company is claiming the Mulvaney campaign was not approved by senior executives. Here with me to discuss is host of Ringside Politics, Jeff Cruer. Jeff, thanks for joining me today. Hey, Madison, my pleasure. Every once in a while, there's a company that surprises us by going woke. People were shocked to see Disney move in that direction, but it's kind of like Bud Light said, here, hold my beer. <laughs> How surprised were you by this endorsement? And what has the reaction been among Bud Light fans? Well, uh, everybody that I talk to that uh, used to drink Bud Light is now no longer going to drink Bud Light because they're, they're disgusted by what happened. And I think it was sort of uh, epitomized by what you saw Kid Rock do on that video. Uh, I think uh, it's just amazing to me that uh, a brand such as that that was so successful and had a loyal customer base would go in a marketing direction that uh, a lot of their customers uh, would find to be uh, offensive and would not be something that they would embrace. So they're basically turning their back on their customers, their core uh, customers that have propelled the brand to success to go in a woke direction and try to uh, placate uh, a type of um, you know audience that isn't there for uh, Bud Light. I mean, I, I don't think uh, the transgender community uh, is one that's going to propel Bud Light to success, but that is the decision <laughs> they they chose to to make. And I was perplexed, Madison, until I learned more about the individual in charge of uh, the marketing. Right. And I do want to get to that here in a second, because that's a really interesting perspective on this. But the irony, like you said, is looking at their customer base. There's obviously some stereotypes at play, but consumers have a right to shop their values. And Bud Light drinkers are not typically associated with these left-wing woke values. 
But now anonymous sources with the company are claiming that this was all a mistake. One of these sources blamed a low-level marketing staffer who must have thought the endorsement was no big deal. The source said, quote, obviously it was, and it's a shame because they have a well-earned reputation for just being America's beer, not a political company. It was a mistake, unquote. We could sit here all day and talk about whether or not it was a good move politically, but the loss in sales speaks for itself. And it's really sad. How has this impacted Anheuser-Busch and its retailers? It's destroyed uh, a brand that had a very good image previously and uh, one that had a lot of success for a number of years. And yeah, I I doubt whether this was totally a low-level staffer. Uh, I think when you engage with someone like Dylan Mulvaney, Uh, You realize you're dealing with a very high-profile transgender individual who's been to the White House. I mean, for goodness sakes, Drew Barrymore uh, went down on her knees before uh, Dylan Mulvaney, you know, to try to show uh, compassion or support. So this is someone with a lot of attention, a lot of presence on social media. So to do any kind of connection with Dylan Mulvaney, I cannot believe that it would be just some low-level staffer. So I think it was a decision that was made to try to expand their brand. But, you know, once again, uh, this is a company that is turning its back on consumers that have built it. Uh, Disney, so many others that we look at, uh, Major League Baseball, uh, the NFL, uh, you know, you embrace football players who kneel, uh, you uh, turn your back on the state of Georgia and move the All-Star game because they wanted to make some election reforms. I mean, on and on. And, and I think this is very pervasive in in corporate America. And and I'm very worried about that because uh, it seems like a a radical left uh, clique has really taken control of these sports leagues, these uh, corporations. And uh, and really, I think the the majority of of customers find it offensive. So we've got economic power as customers. We have other choices. So I think it is incumbent upon us to to make other choices with where we're going to spend our dollars and spend it on products and companies that that do reflect our values. Right. And one interesting aspect of this that you mentioned earlier is that the company's vice president of marketing recently publicized her efforts to make the beer brand more inclusive. And even after the Mulvaney campaign, the company issued a statement confirming the partnership and describing it as an attempt to, quote, authentically connect with audiences across various demographics and passion points, unquote. So does this seem to be truly a mistake or could it be an example of a company that's underestimating their customers? I think the latter. I think they're underestimating their customers. They probably thought, Madison, well, our customers will just accept this. We're just going to uh, expand into these other markets and these other initiatives and our customers are going to stick with us. Those fratty customers of ours, uh, they'll stick with us and allow us to grow our, our brand in these new directions. And No, when something is that prominent and that uh, offensive to so many people, uh, you're not going to keep people with you. Uh, People are going to make other decisions. So it was a horrific decision being made by uh, a team that obviously didn't know their own customers and didn't even care enough about their customers to listen to them. And and so many of these corporations have contempt for the people that buy their products. Uh, for the people who go to their theme parks, for the people that watch their games, for the people that support what they're doing. And mm-hmm. and, and I find that to be uh, unreal, that uh, there's not more of a appreciation and support for the people that uh, allow these corporations to, to thrive and succeed. 
Right. It seems like the first lesson in a business class is to look at your consumer base and what they want and to cater towards that. And I want to go back to something that an anonymous source said earlier that Bud Light has a reputation of being America's beer, not a political company. Even if this was an unfortunate mistake by a lower level employee, it still sends a pretty loud message that this woke agenda is not what the majority of these customers want. And I think many companies think that people are eating up these woke ideas, but really there's a large share of the population that's full of it. Like you said, they just want beer or animated movies or coffee, not political agendas pushed down their throats. What do you think other companies can learn from this? (laughs) I think they can learn that uh, they better uh, stop moving in this direction, that they better listen to uh, their customers who provide uh, the support for their products, uh, that they want to think twice maybe uh, about uh, hiring people out of Harvard uh, who, who think they know better and uh, want to move in a different direction. Uh, I think this is uh, hopefully going to be a wake-up call for some of these corporations. You know, we've been seeing some people go to shareholder meetings and express points of view that represent uh, basic customers. Like I know some people that have been going to Disney meetings, uh, shareholder meetings, and saying, why, why are you going uh, in that direction? Uh, why are you moving away from uh, your your customers? And uh, and hopefully this will maybe uh, be something that other other corporations will uh, start to appreciate. So uh, it's going to be a long process because this has not uh, just happened overnight. This has uh, been a while in the making. And uh, I do think uh, this is probably in the biggest backlash we've seen. And uh, and maybe this will lead to more of a realization from these corporations that this is not the right path to take. Yeah, lots of good insight for both customers and corporations to consider. That's all we have time for today, but thank you for your time and your insight on this. Thank you, Madison. All right, Madison, appreciate breaking down that story there. And that leaves us with time here for one last thing. So 1 Corinthians 3.18, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. We're just watching a lot of people walk around as though they're wise um, and they're really foolish. And so it's interesting, you know, we need to you know, become a fool, meaning, you know, bring ourselves under God, not to make ourselves the God. And so that's what our culture is doing right now. They're making it, we're making ourselves a God and, you know, it's leading us really, really far away from the truth. Yeah, we've got a bunch of skim geniuses these days. And what I mean by that is people skim a topic and they act like they're a, an expert on something. And I don't, the more I read on something and the more I, I dive into a topic, Billy, I don't know if you find the same, but I the more I am humbled because I realize how much more other people know about an issue. You, you find people that are amazing and have studied these things for years and years and years. But we have this plague of people now who just act like they just come full-throated on something that they've read up on for about all of three minutes. And it's it's a really bizarre phenomenon that we have going on here. And the, that verse from First Corinthians three would really would really help if more people applied it, including myself. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just making sure that we also don't always think that we're the expert on yes. things, like you were just saying. I think it's so easy because of pride to do that. Was like, well, <laughs> I know the answer. You know, this. I mean, we've all been guilty of that. But but I think our culture thinks it knows the answer, mm-hmm. and yet every metric shows that we're plummeting into the abyss, <laughs> and we're just smiling and pretending it's not right. happening. Right? Everything but is as fine. As we know, yeah, <laughs> everything <laughs> is fine as the flames are all uh. billowing around us. So, all right. <laughs> 
Well, uh, that's going to do it for this Monday episode of the podcast. As always, don't forget to get on over to CBNnews.com, FaithWire.com as well for more news from a Christian perspective. Lord willing, that creek don't rise. We'll be back here tomorrow with more of the same. News of the Cray. Have a great rest of your Monday. God bless. See you tomorrow.